welcome to Life on the Brink, a lovely little place filled with inspiration and creativity that is dedicated to enjoying life one day at a time. I'm Anna, and together we're exploring the beautiful things in this world that fascinate us and often discovering something new. Welcome to the second episode of Life on the Brink. Uh, If this is your first time joining, feel free to check out the first episode where I sort of introduce myself and this show. But you you can do that later because today we're talking about the phenomenon that is the quarantine garden. It's something that we've all sort of seen happen this spring with the entire uh, coronavirus pandemic. We've seen a huge increase of people gardening and it's like right up there with like sourdough bread as like the thing to do. Uh, so I I totally got into this, to this, I mean, you could call it a fad. I think it's like the best kind of fad you could possibly have. But I was really, <laughs> last year, I was so excited about beginning gardening this year. I sort of discovered it last summer, like middle of summer, when it would be kind of hard to dedicate yourself to a full season. So I said, okay, 2020 is my year of gardening. And then it just so happened that we had a ton of time on our hands in 2020. So I didn't know what was going on. I was like, is this how many people are normally at Lowe's trying to get gardening supplies? Like this is my first year doing this. And I realized, I mean, well, maybe, but there has been a real increase of people gardening this year, outdoor, some container gardening indoor, like wherever you are. And I did a little research, and it turns out this is sort of a an interesting development that kind of has its roots like over a hundred years ago. I mean, people have been farming forever, but this idea, at least in American history, of farming in in crisis and gardening in crisis as an individual and for your home, it's something that has it's it's nothing new this is actually a recurrence so today we're going to explore the history of the sort of panic garden how it was then reintroduced and altered during the coronavirus pandemic and then plus some of my personal experience in the garden this year as well as how you can start one too so let's get into it first i think it makes perfect sense that all these hobbies these domestic hobbies have have come up this year since we're all home so much and gardening is something that can also feel like it's productive and it's taking care of you back in the same way that all this bread making also feels like that because you can eat it and you're you're providing for yourself or your family plus there's also a panic of things running out and you can't well most of us anyway can't make toilet paper and can't make all the other things that we're running out of but you can grow food and while that may seem daunting to a lot of people myself included in most years this year it was like okay well stuff is running out like we we are not seeing everything plus you can't go to the store very often at least when this was this was just beginning uh so it it became almost a necessity like an extreme practicality also in a fun hobby (laughs) Fortunately, now at the time this is being taped, it's um, the beginning of June and Virginia, where I live, has just moved into just today into phase two of three of um, sort of getting back to normal. So 
it's uh you can go more places kind of it's not as on lockdown as it was like a month ago but uh i mean gardening is a is a whole season long thing so we're all in it now <laughs> so let's take a look at the history of this sort of gardening in panic situation let's go back about a hundred years to the year 1917 that was when the u.s joined world war one and with that a lot of agricultural workers and a lot of well everyone were being enlisted people from all over the country in various positions were being enlisted and sent to war and with that a large supply a large amount of food supply from the U.S. was being shipped to those soldiers. So all of a sudden you're out of people to work the land who normally would be working the land and also a lot of the food <laughs> that is still able to be harvested is being sent away. So there was an initiative actually it ended up being like backed and supported by the government uh, to make gardens at home and they were actually supplying people with pamphlets on gardening and educating people on gardening and then later after it became so successful they sent out pamphlets on drying food and canning food and it was it was a whole movement it was sort of seen as the war effort of people at home like this is your responsibility to grow your food because you know we have to send the rest to the front line in fact, there was even a slogan being circulated. It was, quote, sow the seeds of victory, unquote. Um, and these gardens became known as victory gardens, especially in uh, later on, they, they became known as, as victory gardens. And it was all uh, very, you know, patriotized and seen as this is the American's duty at home and that sort of thing. But it also, for the individual became a sense of security in food supply and it, they had something to hold on to in uncertain times and i'm sure we can all identify with that if you have had any sort of little hobby at home that during this pandemic you've been holding on to because at least you know if you water this thing it's going to grow another leaf maybe <laughs> or if it's been cooking or if it's been something working with your hands or you have an amount of control over that thing and you can create something. So it was that same sort of concept that was actually being pushed and backed up by the government in addition to the fact that people were literally feeding themselves. Um, and in World War II, that they sort of came back, it was the same sort of thing. There were less people able to work in the, the fields of farming and agriculture, and there were less people in the country. They were off, you know, fighting or doing other things for the war and creating all that sort of stuff and uh, people had to provide for themselves and actually I found this really funny little cartoon I'm gonna include it in the show notes um, and it's it was in 1943 it was a little comic <laughs> and it has Batman and Robin and Superman in like a field of, of like crops and it has a little sign it says victory garden it's like it was i i guess to get kids involved in the whole thing to to be like look even superman is gardening like we all need to do it it's it's our thing to do right now <laughs> and uh actually even eleanor roosevelt she was the first one to put a garden in the white house 
And at the time, her husband, the president, was not at all into the idea of a national garden and and the people who owned the land and stuff. He's like, no one's going to want this. And so he told like the soil inspector people, he said, tell Eleanor that the yard is full of rocks or something. <laughs> like that's what it's, it's quote, tell her the yard is full of rocks or something. And I thought that was just hilarious. But it turns out it's like incredibly fertile land that the White House is on. And so Eleanor like created this whole garden and there was a little girl uh, named Diana who who lived at the White House because her father worked there. And I'll include a photo uh, of that garden as well. There's a little um, an old newspaper article photo of little Diana in the garden. And uh, then it became a huge thing. And there's even a, a speech that FDR gave where he was uh, later encouraging everyone to have their own garden. It was it was just a an even further initiative, it's especially when uh, rationing started in 1942. I'm looking. Is that right? Yes, in 1942, things became rationed, and so it was like if you know if you can grow it for yourself, you're good to go. And okay, so this is a crazy statistic. By 1944, so before the war ended, this this statistic was taken. It was estimated that there were 20 million victory gardens across the United States, producing over 8 million tons of food. And just to put that into perspective, that's over 40% of all the produce that was consumed. That's just insane that it was being grown in people's yards, in people's homes. And they sometimes it was you know on a plot of land that they had. Sometimes it was in a smaller space. People were encouraged to grow wherever they could. And 8 million tons of food? That's absolutely crazy that people were growing. Now, at-home gardens were definitely more of a thing back then than they are now. Food was not as (laughs) convenient everywhere all the time. Or groceries. But that's still crazy that 40% people would have grown for themselves. So with that sort of bit of history in mind, let's flash forward to now. There's already been over the past couple years a really nice movement that's been coming up to increase sustainability. And so, you know, we've seen, um, you know, people don't have plastic straws anywhere and people are encouraged to bring their own stuff. And, you know, when I go to church every week, I have my own mug and I just have a collection of mugs that I take with me and that's that's part of a thing that uh, you know self-sustainability self-sufficiency has become trendy in a way um and also michelle obama was the first person to bring back the white house garden and that became a huge success and i think that may have started uh sort of for a lot of people like oh you can grow food like we sort of forgot that and so when coronavirus came there's a group called the Experimental Farm Network, and they created what was called, it was originally called the Corona Victory Gardens, and it was to bring back that idea of, okay, we're in pandemic, and it's a crisis, and there's a food shortage, let's grow our own food. But it was changed, the name was changed, now you can find it under Cooperative Gardens Commission. Uh, the original name had some negative Uh, militaristic connotations that if people didn't want to associate so now if you look it up 
a lot of the newer information is under Cooperative Gardens Commission, and it's by the Experimental Farm Network. And it's encouraging people to grow as much as they can and make their knowledge and resources available to those that don't have them. And it's even encouraging uh, people, if they can, to grow for themselves and their community. And I think that's beautiful that in a time when it's easy to hoard and to hold on so tightly to anything you can find and stockpiling on paper goods, that there was an initiative to drive a generosity of food. And, and it was just, it comes from the ground and give it to other people. I just really love that. And uh, I, there's a quote that I have from Nate Kleinman, who's a co-founder of the Experimental Farm Network. And it says, quote, the war garden model was inspiring for a lot of people because there were all these huge forces at work around the globe that were out of their control, unquote. And that was definitely true for me. Um, there was so much that was outside of my control. I was watching as gig after gig got canceled and, you know, my wedding was postponed. I, I'm a, I'm a music teacher, a preschool music teacher. And then I was told that for the last two months, like I wasn't going back to work. I wasn't going to be able to have that closure, say goodbye to these kids. And everything was outside of my control. And I, I'm also sort of in between homes, I'm moving things, and I just, I had no control over my space or over anything, and I just, you know, and on one hand, it was a good, good exercise in <laughs> learning uh, to let go, but also I found this, this journey of gardening this spring to be really therapeutic and just what I needed to have a little bit of control over an area and just watch it do its thing. Plus, the days are slower, and gardening is a slow activity. Like, you can do a lot in a short time, but things take time to grow. And it's a, it's like a stress reducer, and you're outside, and there's tons of, like, health benefits, and maybe I can do an episode on that later. Um, but it's just, like, all around a really good activity for a time when you have to be home, and everything is slow. <laughs> A writer and illustrator, Alex Tester, uh, gave a quote to Grub Street Magazine, who did an article on this um, revitalization of gardening in the coronavirus pandemic. He said, I think the thing I've always found with a plant is that you can take care of it and watch it transform, and maybe it becomes something you can even eat. That's such a powerful force of positivity in a time when that's hard to find. So with that, I would like to share my own personal experience. So like I said, I'm kind of in between homes right now. I am living at home uh, with my parents and my fiance is living in the apartment that will be ours. Um, and out in front of this apartment is a little flower bed. And even though we have people living above us, they're, they haven't done anything with it, which is wonderful for me. Um, and so we have like this nice little plot and I'll include, uh, some pics of course in the show notes of, uh, some before and after. And there's just like a couple shrubs that like everyone in the complex has, but it was, it was pretty much, uh, it, there wasn't a whole lot going on. It's like two little shrubs and just a lot of dirt, nothing really fun, lots of weeds. So throughout this whole thing, uh, Josh and I had lots of little, gardening Saturdays where uh, one day I came home with 
all of these plants and seeds and stuff. And I was so excited because I wanted to do raised beds. I'd done so much research into square foot gardening and how much you can do with uh, like just this much soil and this much thing. And I'd done all this math and knew where I was going to get all these materials. And then we heard from the complex that they didn't want us to do raised beds. Um, so that, that sort of like, they just, they're not keen on vegetable gardening in general, or they don't really know what they want, but they said no raised beds. I asked them and they said no. So I got a bunch of terracotta pots because people have lots of pots outside. And I was like, okay, well, there's nothing wrong with a container. So I'm just going to put vegetables in a container. Same thing as a raised bed, kind of, but it looks just a decorative thing. And so we we tore up the the weeds and we did put some flowers down in the bed. I got a, a bunch of bricks to sort of um, edge the end of it and it's all curvy so I had to get some weird bricks. And there's all of the edible little things are in either we've got a big barrel pot or lots of terracotta pots and we've got herbs. We've got what is it? I have a cherry tomato plant. I have a strawberry plant, uh, cucumber, some greens and stuff and I don't... I the whole thing I'm I'm learning I'm learning so much uh I'm not sure how much to thin seedlings and so some things may be totally overcrowded and we will see but um I successfully this past Saturday I harvested three radishes there were only three that were ready <laughs> and uh but I ate them I just sliced them up I put a picture on my Instagram uh, and it had just a simple preparation with bread and butter and sliced radishes with some fresh herbs. And it was delightful. Like I couldn't even believe I just pulled up radishes out of the ground that I had put in as seeds. And the main issue that we've encountered is squirrels. Um, I thought that squirrels were trying to eat my radishes, but it turns out they were just trying to dig up the ground to bury nuts in because I was finding nuts in with the radishes. So we've done a series of mulching at various levels in various places trying to cover any of that uh, exposed earth because they are tenacious. Like they have dug all over the bed and even I've planted some sunflower seeds that are now really tall little seedlings and I'm really excited um but but they had little holes right by them and I was like if they dig up these sunflowers I'm gonna be so mad and so we we've got a lot of mulch going now and it looks really nice it doesn't you know eventually I would love like a full cottage like garden that's just like plants just like full of green things but we're we're those mulch mulch people right now and that's okay because we're it's my first year we're doing what we can there's a lot of pots but Josh has been very sweet and he's like, well, all of this could die and it's still a good experience <laughs> and we know that we'll build on it next year. And that's the fun thing about gardening is that there's always work to do and next year you can always do something a little bit bigger and it's seasonal and I think that's nice. So I've been outside and it's been really nice. It's been something that I can add to my new home, my home to be. And it's something that um, I can check on. And I just really love being able to cook. And then just yesterday, I was roasting some potatoes. And I went outside and I just clipped some rosemary. Came in and washed it and chopped it up and put it on the potatoes. And I was like, look at this fresh herbs from my garden on the... I just, I couldn't even believe it. And then I made just like a little... 
I just wanted to try it. We had some sourdough bread. I didn't make it. I haven't gone there yet. I'm going to do That's probably like my next project. <laughs> um, but there was a sourdough loaf and I just put a little olive oil, fresh rosemary chopped up with a little salt. Oh my, it was delicious. That and my little radish toast. It's just so good. And, and it grew. It just, I'm, it's, it's really the best thing. If you haven't grown anything from seed yet, I would highly recommend, even if it's just, if you can do a raised bed, go for it. It's really not that involved if you just look it up. But if it's totally a new idea, a concept of growing something that you can eat, I would recommend just get a pot. Just get any kind of container, something that has good drainage on the bottom, and then get you a good soil mix. I've I've been using um, Espoma potting mix, and then I have mixed in, I got two different kinds of um, compost, but if you just find, I would, uh, actually Espoma makes a really good mushroom uh, compost as well. I'll, I'll add uh, links to both those things in the show notes. You just mix that up plant your seeds or you can get seedlings at this point uh, in at this late in the season it might be smart to get uh, some little seedlings and they'll say on the package or on the thing like when when you can plant how long it's going to take and then you just water them and you you let them go sometimes you need to cut some things back I'm sort of in that stage I have to research some pruning because I don't know what I'm doing now but then you just let it go and if it grows into something that you can eat then it's a huge success and if it doesn't, then you still have a pot and some soil and you can try it again. And the earth is forgiving. So it has been truly rewarding. It's been so fun and it moves slowly and it's peaceful. And I've, I've had days when I've just been really stressed out about one thing or another. And then I'll come over to the apartment and I'll just look in the garden and I'm like, wow, look at you guys. You know, we've got like five or six strawberries going and I'm beside myself. But even if you have just some herbs, I would say start with herbs. You can put it in a pot inside or outside. Outside it's going to get some better light probably, but just get a, a start small. You can always go bigger later next year or whenever and just let something grow. It has been so rewarding and I'm glad it sort of came at this time that this this spring I ended up having way more time to invest in this new love, but it's something that is going to be, I know, a lifelong journey and, and just a love of mine. I know it. But like I said, I will include links to my favorite um, soils that I've been using and stuff like that in the show notes. And if you create a little quarantine garden or you have this season then take a little picture and tag me in it or tell me about it in the comments and uh, I would love to hear about your little garden and how it has enriched your quarantine as I know it has mine so before I wrap up I wanted to include this episode's little segment that I am calling little joy because Sometimes it's going to be something brand new, but sometimes it could be just a rediscovering something or it could be something that I saw or someone said. So I'm not really going to box it in. I'm just going to say this is my little joy of the week. And this week's little joy, aside from those three radishes that I pulled out of the ground, (laughs) uh, was a brunch that I had with Josh, my fiance. We went to one of my favorite places in Williamsburg 
in Colonial Williamsburg, there's a, a French cafe and they they opened and uh, only for outdoor seating and so they put a bunch of chairs like into the parking lot and like roped off a section it was just so great the weather was perfect everyone was so kind and I I love brunch I love breakfast food in general and so like a, a brunch basically being like a breakfast that's later in the day and you can take your time it's just one of my favorite things ever. And there were just little birds flying around. You could still hear music playing from around the corner. It was just perfect. I also discovered that I might like coffee because I tried a sip of uh, Josh's coffee and I didn't hate it. I still had my tea and it was great, but I had a croissant. I had some quiche. It was, it was excellent. It finally started to feel kind of normal. It was like everything that I love about spring. And that was it. It was a lovely little joy. If there's something that you've been loving or a great experience you've had, let me know. I want to know about more good things in the world. And as always, there's a playlist waiting for you. I made a playlist specifically with songs that I think would be great to listen to in the garden. So if you head over to the show notes, you'll find a link to a playlist called In the Garden. <laughs> and it's just lots of really fun songs that I think would be great for a very chill day outside, working, but not too hard. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to the second episode. If you like what you're hearing, go ahead and leave a review on whatever platform you're listening on, or just like a little rating and even better share it with somebody that you think would like it for more little inspiration go ahead and head to my blog at annaperkinsmusic.com slash life on the brink and until next time friends have a lovely week bye